You're listening to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, Episode 112. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with Chris Rodriguez, head baseball coach at University of the Pacific and former professional baseball player, to discuss how to build and sustain culture. Coach Rodriguez believes that culture starts with creating an unbreakable foundation that you can build upon and empower athletes with to create their own cultural processes. Coach Rodriguez encourages a culture of player-led initiatives, leadership development, the preparation of athletes with a next-man-up mindset, and provides tools to enhance life skills. All of these are the fabric and recipe of success for this dynamic coach. interested in a full body resistance training system to achieve your athletic and fitness goals, the mass suit from Juke Performance is your answer. The mass suit is a full body resistance training suit that you wear during your exercising or sports specific training to enhance your speed, strength, power, agility, and endurance. You are fully mobile and it's great for plyometric and high intensity training. It engages all muscle groups simultaneously and increases to a 50% caloric burn. Check out the mass suit at jukeperformance.com and other fitness-related products, and make sure to use the promo code GRANTPAR, one word, G-R-A-N-T-P-A-R-R, for your 10% discount. Hey, Coach, how are you? Doing great, Grant. Doing great. Awesome, man. Well, I'm super excited to... To not only have you on my show, but for many reasons, there's a lot of cool things that are happening with your career at UOP, and not only knowing you growing up and knowing your your older brother very well and playing baseball with him, this is a it's an honor for me to have you on my show, and it's very exciting for me to have you just not only share about your journey that has led you up to being head coach for UOP, but also just uh, dig into your mindset a little bit on how how to create culture and how you're doing that there at UOP. So I'm really excited to have you on the show. Well, thank, thank you, Grant. It's, uh, for me, it's an honor to be on your show. I mean, especially with our, with our background, uh, this is kind of an exciting time for me and uh, exciting time for uh, you know, the University of the Pacific. And uh, I'm just honored to be on your show. Awesome, man. Well, before we get into it, because, I mean, there's, there's a lot of favorite topics that I love to talk about. One of them is culture. But uh, the other is mental toughness. So, you know, coming from a from a coach's perspective, what what does mental toughness mean to you? Mental toughness for me is the athlete's ability to overcome any of the apprehensive moments of a game. You know, in sports, so many things are so much not controllable, or they're they're uncontrollable. That athlete's ability to respond to those elements on the fly uh, without losing their nerve. Totally. It's control the controllables. And you and I have talked about that, you know, before the show uh, and how important that is that's going to allow us to be mentally tough. Correct. Awesome. Awesome. Now, not only have you played baseball and coached for a long time, obviously you played um, in the professional ranks. So regardless if it's just high school, college, professional uh when you reflect on on your career can you share a a specific time where you had to either be mentally tough or you had to coach somebody to be mentally tough 
Well, I've had a couple of those instances on on each one. Um, kind of the different hats of being be, being a player and also being a coach. You're going to be faced with those things uh, in each realm. Uh, as a player, uh, in ninety at the end of the season, nineteen ninety six. Um, I ended, sorry, it was 97. At, at the end of the 97 season, I ended up hurting my knee. Um, ended up having to have uh, a slight tear of the ACL, the meniscus repair, and being able to overcome that surgery and get back onto the field uh, was kind of like one of the big moments of me mentally of trying to become, overcome an injury and get back on that field and, and perform at such a high level especially in the professional ranks and so anytime you come back from from an injury i think go in two ways one is either you're gonna be be mentally tough and get past it and move on through it or it's gonna beat you and um so i got back on the field i worked extremely hard in the weight room off season just making sure my body was right making sure i ate right slept right make sure that everything i put in my body was was giving me the opportunity to get back on that field at the level that I wanted to be at and uh, return to that spring training um, set to go. go. Going through that was for surely a time. But on, on the coaching side, one of the moments that stands out the most for me on the mental side of coaching players, we had an incident when I was coaching at San Joaquin Delta College that one of our players – his name was Calvin Riley. He, uh, he ended up getting hurt, or he he was in San Francisco playing Pokemon Go, and ended up getting shot. And so our whole team had to deal with that and how we brought that in and make our players tougher mentally. And and so it wasn't just one incident. It was like how do we make the whole team mentally tough to handle through some of these situations and continue to play this game was a big. Uh, it was a big obstacle for us. Wow, man. Uh, you know what? Actually, I, when you first said his name, I'm like, no, I don't remember. But actually, I do because that's really it's really interesting. This is full circle because I, at the time, I was actually coaching football at Sarah High School. Sarah High School, yeah. Yeah, where he went. And so it rocked the school. It rocked. There were so many administrators and coaches that were that had coached him. Um, that has known as family that's been, you know, alumni at, at Sarah. So I can only imagine yep. when you lose somebody, um, just loss and period is, is takes a lot of mental fortitude and emotional fortitude to get over that. Um, so yeah, I, I do remember that, that story, but I, I also, because this is resonates with me because, you know, I played my sport, played football for a long time. You know, when I walked away from it, I, I had a lot of injuries and I still do at the age of 46. Um, but, you know, having joint replacement, I had two hip replacements on the same hip. And I can only imagine the things that I went through, um, all this, all the, being mentally tough to get through all that. I can only imagine you probably having your first joint injury as far as a surgery goes. You know, were there tough times when you were playing professional ball? Was there tough times that you had to go through through that process to get ready and prepared to get back on the field? Yes, uh, actually, it was the year. It was the year I injured it. Um, it was one of those things that I knew where we were at the end of the season, and basically, I told the we were doing quite well. And, and actually, in 1997, I was in the Northwest League uh, playing for the Portland Rockies, 
and we were um, we were playing extremely well as a team. Um, we were leading the entire conference, and I got hurt, and all I wanted to do is get back on that field. <laughs> and so, um, doctor told me, he goes, "Hey, it's torn. Uh, we can fix it now, and you'll be out the rest of the season, or we can try to do some therapy stuff to it." and see if we can stabilize it and see if you can get back on. And then once the season's done, um, go have surgery. And I'm like, if it gets me back on the field, I'll do whatever I can, I need to do to get back on the field. And so um, I took, I took a couple weeks off. They gave me some cortisone shots. They, uh, you know, and um, I wore a brace and uh, ended up playing the last three weeks of season. And, uh, end up doing really well the last three weeks. And then I re-injured it going into the playoffs. I uh, completely gave out on me and um, going into playoffs. So I had to sit out the playoff series, but uh, I definitely was part of that team to make it, make that run continue to happen and uh, end up having surgery the, the day that we won the championship. And so it was like the mental toughness of just, Hey, pushing the injury off to the side. I mean, I, I was playing hurt. I knew I was playing hurt, but I, still being able to just focus on the task at hand and to be honest I had probably some of the best those, those probably the best three weeks of my life on the baseball field for that for that season um I took a couple of weeks off got, I felt like I felt really strong I still had pain but I mean kind of one of those things that is pain's a good thing it tells you you're still alive right totally so um, <laughs> went out there and did it and until I couldn't do it anymore Man, talk about digging deep, right? <laughs> right, right. Let's yeah. Do that. yeah, man. I think uh, I think you know it's it's uncomfortable. Those situations are uncomfortable, but I mean, when you have a purpose and you're connected to the joy of of the goals and and the reason why you play baseball, sometimes it's just it just it's it's not even a um, it's not even a second thought. It's just this is what I need to do. Like I need I need to. I need to fight through this pain. I need, I need to step up. I need to show up. I need to do that. So I, I totally get that. Yeah. In, in, in that moment, it's like we had you know, 30 other guys on that team and we all pulled for each other and I didn't want to let any of them down. And, you know, if, uh, if I could get on that field and help, help, help them out, uh, I was going to do it. And uh, we actually ended up winning the championship. Oh, um, it was it's just kind of ingrained in me. You just, you play to win championships totally. and, uh, you know, it's what I've always tried to do. Totally. Absolutely. So, so let's fast forward to now to your current situation. Uh, man, you've found yourself in a super cool, awesome, unique situation at UOP, you know, after coaching for 15 years at Modesto junior college, San Joaquin Delta junior college, which is one of the best programs in, in the country. You know, and I know you started with UOP last year as a volunteer coach, but now, just a couple months ago, you were named interim head coach just a few weeks before preseason after Ryan Garko left, right? So that whole that whole experience, I mean, obviously you probably weren't anticipating it, but it happened. Like, how would you describe the the experience to kind of get catapulted into this position right now? I've been, uh, let's see. So, yeah, I've been, coaching in this local area for about 15 years um 
I was a head coach at Modesto, and I left there. I went to San Joaquin Delta College, uh, became an assistant under a, a guy named Reed, Reed Peters, which is, I think, is an amazing, amazing coach. Learned a lot from him regarding uh, strategy, organization, uh, recruitment, um, a lot of those things. And then, so I was there for seven years. 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. And um, through those years, I've always had the aspirations of trying to become, you know, it's one of those things as a coach, you want to go at the highest level. And amateur baseball, D1 is the highest level. And um, I've always had, I've always had the aspirations to do it. And, you know, I was just waiting for the right situation to happen. To be honest, that last the last October, the volunteer role opened up here at Pacific, and they had a new a newer coach who was here. So an amazing guy, uh, knows baseball in and out. He's just a guy that I come to uh, respect a ton, and uh, I, I learned a lot from him on basically uh, how to build culture. He's a big culture guy, and forming a foundation of what a program should be. So I got to be underneath him and him and I just kind of hit it off, to be honest. We're just two, two baseball guys that love to talk baseball inside the office. And uh, we kind of matched. It went well. He offered me the volunteer job. I was in a situation where I was still able to teach over at San Joaquin Delta College and come over here in the afternoon and take, take the volunteer role. It's a lot of the work and, he liked the way I did things, and so after the season, he offered me a, a full-time job, and uh, this, is, this is the place I want to be. And then for him, uh, he had an opportunity that came up in, in January that he couldn't pass for personal reasons. Um, you know, he's now one of the bench coaches for the major league team of the, uh, the Anaheim Angels, which he couldn't pass that up. And I was fortunate enough to be at the right place, the right time with the right background. And they offered the school offered me the interim head coach and uh, taking it and running with it. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, you and I, we, we share the same thought because you and I were talking about this before about, you know, coaching baseball is more than the game. It's, it's about teaching these men and coaching these these young players to be men and to be active uh, within their society, uh, being active within, you know, the companies that are going to be hiring them in the future, just getting them prepared for life. And I've read this, and I'm, you know me, I'm huge on the whole next man up, the next one up mindset. Obviously, I wrote a book about it. But right. you've been quoted many times in articles about about the situation that came up and how you became the head coach. And how that you were the next man up, and you've kind of prided yourself on this mindset because this has happened to you actually multiple times before in your career. And I know you preach this to your players, and you live by this. But how do you think like this whole experience, being the next one up or the next man up, can be a great learning opportunity for your players that they can use outside of baseball? You know, within within life, there's always going to be obstacles. Sports are such a viable part of the upbringing of young men. Um, they learn how to deal with failure, uh, especially especially in baseball. So, 
the idea of it is they start learning how to deal with the failures. And even when, you know, that next person who's not getting that opportunity, you know, that if, if the next guy is that next guy on the bench, you know, he, if he's ready and it's his turn, it's going to be that next guy up. And um, I think in, in the real world, it's going to happen that way too. I mean, I've been in the real world. I've had, you know, the nine to five jobs. I've done all that. And, and it's exactly that. When, when one guy is not doing it, you have to step up and uh, you'll get recognized and get promoted and do all that stuff by just having that same philosophy throughout life. Uh, don't be the status quo. Just keep doing what you know is right. And when it's time, you will be the next man up. We've taken that. And to be honest, we've, uh, one of the first things I did is I ended up branding that into our program. Um, I'm not going to say I stole it from you, but uh, <laughs> I, didn't read, I didn't read the book and uh, it did inspire me a lot with that calling a little bit. You know, you, you were the next one up and I just took it to, to, to the next man up. And so we branded it on, a, on one of our shirts that we wear before the game just so the players know. And we were, uh, we've been stricken with a little bit of injuries already this, this year and inside of our locker room, the, you know, we, we talk about it. And uh, some, some of the players are just like, coach, don't worry. It's just next man up. So they're, they're embracing it. And it's, just, it's kind of fun. And they leave this program. That's what I talk to them about is you're going to be prepared, not only just on the baseball field, but when you go off in life to be that next man up and, uh, they know what that's about. Yeah, I love it, man. And and I love it that you have adopted uh, this whole mindset and the language of it within the within the culture. You know, and it's really interesting when you think about the next man up, whether in your role or, you know, the players that are playing for you. You know, I, I actually talk about this with other teams about roles. Like, we start the year knowing what our role is, but the role changes for the most part, and it can change, and we have to be open to the change. And so you have to be okay with your role changing. Therefore, you have to be the next one up. You might be the man. You might not be the man. That might go back and forth throughout the whole season, or you could be the man the whole season, or you might not even get a, 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 an inning all season long until playoffs, and it's your time to shine. You know, So it's. It, I think when it comes to really embracing the next one on mindset. It's really embracing your role that's in the now, like as of today. Correct. Yeah. I think it's, it's an element that we have to have um, in order to be successful, both on the field and in real life. For sure. For sure. Now we're going to get into culture here and this is pretty straightforward and plain question, but, but when you think about culture, like what, what does it mean to you? as a head coach? For me, it's, it's more in the lines of what is our program going to be known for? Uh, what is the, what's that foundation? It's kind of, I've always used this as kind of a, uh, a guideline for it. That culture without having culture inside of our locker room, it's like, and the foundation is weak. Uh, you start building up on the foundation and you can build a nice looking house or a nice building, but eventually without that strong foundation of, culture the little wind or uh anything a crack a crack in the building could end up making that whole building fall down um that culture has to be that foundation to allow the building to get put up um and that's the same thing inside of a baseball program without the culture 
being established that you are either going to hold your players accountable to everything that, that we've set forth, you can't build, you can't build up. And the biggest thing is you want to keep, you want to keep building up. Uh, if your foundation is weak, you can't build up. Right. And I think that's a lot of based regarding culture. Um, there's numerous ways that you can build culture. Um, but I think the big thing has got to be authentic. It's got to be authentic to you. It's got to be authentic to your program. It's got to be authentic to the players of the program. And if you try to fake it, it's not real. Totally. Man, and it, man, you're you're speaking the culture the culture gospel right there because it's it's true, man. Like, there's so many ways to to establish culture and sustain it, but it needs to be authentic. There needs to be, you know, there needs to be buy-in. Obviously, and we'll talk about that in a second. But you know, with your situation at UOP, you know, obviously they, you know, you've been there for you know some short time and you got exposed into the culture, and it seems like that that the coach before you established a really good culture. So as you stepped into this role, like where did you start with creating the culture like under your your management style? Or have you done anything differently? Are you are you just kind of status quo right now? Or are you actually affecting different things now with, with your culture? The way the way I started this off um, was yes, Coach Garco did a incredible job of turning the culture around in here at at Pacific in his two and a half years. Um, I think what he's done is he was, he, he set that foundation. He built a strong, firm foundation, which now I'm able to take that foundation and kind of grow upon even more. And uh, so it's kind of what, what I talked about inside of our locker room is now we're, we're starting to level up instead of just the foundation's done uh, because of what's what's here and the way it is. So now we can actually take that foundation, which is rock solid, and we can start moving and going layering up. And so now part of what what I've kind of done is is created a little bit more of a uh, player-driven agenda. What I mean by that is, in my first role, what I ended up doing is I, uh, I started a leadership council. Um, so I picked up five guys who I thought on the team that guys looked up to. Guys, not all starters, um, but guys who just do things the right way. What I think specific baseball program uh, needs to go in and uh, put them part of the leadership council. And I meet with them once a week about what's going on and which direction we're going. How are things going inside the locker room? Stuff like that. I gave them a task. I gave them handouts of the task of coming up with a team identity, team goals, pitcher goals, relief pitcher goals, infielder goals, catcher goals, outfielder goals, offensive goals. And uh, it was pretty cool. So I, I gave them all the handouts for it. And I said, you guys run it. Do this if you want to do it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. You know, it's up to you. Because I... I think if, uh, if, if you force them to do it, it's not authentic. If they choose to do it, it becomes authentic and it actually means more and they get more buy-in. So they're like, all right, no, coach, we want to do this. So the five of them in my office were like, yeah, we want to do this. This sounds great. We've never done that before. And uh, I'm like, well, I've done it everywhere I've been. And, 
So uh, I love it. I gave, I gave them the sheet. They ended up handing them out to to the rest of the team and said, "Hey guys, come back with this filled out." And one day after practice, the five leadership group they uh, they held them the practice meeting inside the locker room. They said it took about an hour and a half, and they filled it all out as. I'm like, you got to take all 34 because we have 34 guys on, on our roster right now. Take all 34 and cook and take this down into one. You, you five will come meet with me in the office with one of these forms filled out and we'll go over it and we'll, we'll go through it and talk about it. And it's iterate every single day. And I made some signs regarding who, who we are, what, what our team identity is or what they want to be known for. So we have one in our locker room. We have one in our dugout. It's one of those things that we anchor a lot of our, uh, our, our team meetings about. Uh, are we being who we say we want to be? Because it's one thing to say who you want to be, but it's actually different to do what you're saying you're going to do. It's a way that I can hold them accountable to what they've written down on, on paper. And I have something that, that they all bought into they've all signed it they've all like now my job as a coach is to hold them to it and that's that's what i do as a help to what their expectations of what they want to do it's been a good ride so far and uh you know it's it's kind of neat the way it's working out the players are engulfed on it and it's, it's fun well, you know, I, I love player-led culture, man. When um, when you just give them some direction, you give them the tools, and you give them some, you know, you give them love, really, and and they just run with it. And and I, and that's what I'm sensing is that what you're creating there is is a player-led culture. And I love it that you have signs up, man. I mean, if language is huge when it comes, to, so is actions when it comes to creating culture. But you need to see it, and you know, like if if you really want to. Yep start changing language um you've got you got to have it in front of you so that that's awesome and you know and i'll say this um that i have a really close friend a former baseball coach who actually lives out your way and caught a game i think caught two games this past weekend but this is what he said he said i told him that you were you know a high school friend of mine and i and i knew you um you know from the past and um and that you're the head coach and he said he's got this team playing with spirit and that's what he said. And I'm like, wow, like you've only been there for a short amount of time. And if someone who doesn't even know you hasn't seen your team yet this year and can see that, to me, that's, that's incredible. It's, it's beautiful. And so my, my next question is, with all the years you've coached and even when you played, so you were part of culture when you were an athlete, what do you think the hardest part is in, in creating culture or getting the buy-in in culture? The hardest part is uh, keeping it going because especially at the junior college level, like my, you know, when I talk about my experience, it's mainly, mainly junior college. And at, at Delta college, it just became a, a, uh, you had to renew it every year because you're losing half of your team every single year. So like the challenge was just the new guys and keeping that same culture going and going and going. Um, So it's one thing, it's like for me, why I think UOP is that attractive school is because like I, I had a meeting with my AD this morning and he's like, hey, UOP's never gone to the playoffs. 
in baseball. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, that actually drives me even more because I can potentially be anytime you can be the first at something. Yeah. Um, it, it's really makes it really special. And um, so I'm like, I have an opportunity to potentially be the first to send UOP baseball team into a playoff situation. And um, so like, for me, the attractive part is here is building this program up to get to that point. And then like what I found out of Delta, the hard part was making sure you stay there. Um, it's one thing to build it there, but now it's another thing to stay and, and that culture staying through the, the turns because you're replacing so many guys every single year. And um, you have to find, you know, what one culture for one team is not the same culture for that next team. And you have to be able to, to handle each of those personalities a little bit. For me, the hard part is, I think it's once you get there, it's staying there. I think kids, I think for the most part, the athletes, when you start talking about culture, but if they start seeing you really implement it and build it, they absorb it. And once it just takes hold and gravitates, it's become, you know, it becomes infectious and it just moves from one person to the next. But then once it's there, it's got to stay there. You almost have to work twice as hard to keep it there than you did to, to build it. Cause the building it, I think is actually the easy part. Um, if you have buy-in or if, you, if you're doing authentic and, and, and the players feel that you're doing it to better them, they're going to accept it. Then you have to work twice as hard once it's there to keep it there and keep it going on that right track and not let anything disrupt that culture. Big time. You know, it's uh, to me like building it, like you said, uh, it's just to me, it's, it's fun. It's fun putting them things in place and letting players run with it. It's fun, but like you said, and you can you can agree or disagree on this, but you know, building culture and sustaining culture is like a collective belief that we all buy into. But you know, so it's all of us making this culture, and it's ran by the players. However, it just it from my experience, what I've seen with teams that I've played on and teams I've coached, it can take just one player to destroy the culture. And, and right. I think, right. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about too, is that sure there's, there's that, there's that, um, that element of continuity or lack of continuity every year you have like different players coming in, different dynamics, different personalities, but you've created this culture to, to be a standard, be a best practice. So it's, it's getting these new players to be a part of that standard and that best practice. But again, it could just take that one person who's disgruntled and pissed off. And it's more about me than we and they and they can start creating some cracks in the foundations that you were talking about earlier. Correct, correct. And I think that's like those are the elements. Like for me, why I have a leadership council group is uh, therefore I get informed about some of these things that might be brewing before they even get going. You know, you smolder out that 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 coal before it even sparks uh, or before it sets fire. And that way you can, you can catch it ahead of time. And that's why I think those part of what I'm doing is with that council is to make sure that we're going in that right way. I love it. I actually, I, I think it's, it's brilliant that you have that council in place um, for many reasons, not only for you, but also for the culture, for giving these, these young men an opportunity to, to be leaders, to have those, 
to have that experience to lead and then and then people to see them to see people lead on their team so i think there's there's so much goodness if you will that um from for having that that council in place and um i have to ask this question because you know me and my background mental skills training uh so and i and you've and you've shared with me a little bit what you're doing there which i think it's awesome but how important do you think it is to incorporate mental skills training you know, within a culture or within a program? Oh, I think it's a must. I mean, if you look at uh, the top programs inside, I mean, all sports, not just baseball, but all sports, uh, the movement that's going on on some of these big, bigger universities um, of hiring mental strength coaches. And uh, it's a big movement. And if you're not implementing it into your program, uh, you're missing a huge element, which is part of this game. And like, I mean, I only had six weeks to implement what I could, so I had to be careful and not to overburden them with too much change. But come next fall, oh, yeah, no, there's we're going to be reading books together. We're going to be having, like, classes in a locker room regarding, you know, Heads Up Baseball 2.0 by Ken Revisa, things that I've done in my past, just kind of letting them know that sports psychology is a huge facet of what sports is all about and how we handle ourselves. And um, it's one thing I'm building it right now. I'm talking to them about it without them even knowing little pieces here and there, just because of my background, I've taken numerous of sports psychology classes and, and these things are trying to implement that into this program when I feel it's, ne- I feel it's necessary, but when I potentially can, since I only have six weeks prior to season before we start playing games, so I couldn't do everything I wanted to do quite yet. Totally. Totally. Well, and I, and I think, you're, I mean, it, it's, again, I've, I, I say this statement a lot on my show when, when thing, when people are saying awesome things and it's music in my ears that, that you're making it a, um, a focus and, and only, you know, and again, you've only been there for a short time in that role. You've been there a lot longer, but, um, I can only, I can't wait to see, you know, what you're going to do with the program and, and how much, this work, mental skills training, and like how it's going to affect not only people's performances and their their control of their emotions and thoughts, but them as humans. Because this is like, I mean, mental skills training is life skills. So you're you're giving them, man, uh, and I love it. You're giving them more than just baseball, man. You're giving them so many opportunities to to learn and, and be better and be their best. Right, and it's you know, it's again, it comes down to. Setting the standards, setting this is why I think every team needs to to have goals, and um, those goals allow you to have something to strive for, but it gives you a standard that you're going to be held accountable for, and when you're held accountable for those actions, you become better. You be, Not just a baseball player, but you become a better person. My biggest thing that I would love to do is, you know, you, we get these kids coming out of high school. When they leave UOP, I want to make these baseball players, these young men, I, when they leave UOP, I want them to leave here as being a man. And it's not just baseball. It's, it's, it's more than that. That's how you make an impact into the next, next generation. One of my favorite moments as, as a coach it was the 2018 season over at San Joaquin Delta College. We won the, uh, the state finals, so we were state 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 champions 
And there was uh, one of the parents, one of the moms of one of the kids came up to me after the, the season, uh, right on the field, right after we won the championship. And she's like, Coach, I just got to tell you, you lived up to every single word you ever told us, and you transformed my son into a man within two years. And I'm like, to me, that was like the ultimate compliment. Wow. That was pretty special. Um, actually, I still talk to that kid today. So. Man, that's beautiful, man. That's um, that's what it's all about. I mean, like right there. I mean, sure, championships are great. You know, uh, wins are great. But that is what you sign up for when you coach. And um, right. You know what I mean? So that that's awesome. So w- one more w- one more question before we sign out. Uh, and this is going to be a deep one. Uh, when you reflect on your whole career, I mean, everything, athlete, coach. What do you think you've learned the most about yourself? how to adapt, um, how to overcome, how to adapt and how to overcome so many situations that happen. Um, I'm one of those people that believe that you're going to mess up. You're going to, you're, you're going to mess up and, (laughs) uh, you're going to fail, but every mess up and every failure you have an opportunity to change those and not make them to mess up or a failure by the way that you respond and the way that you handle them. Um, so if you, for me, it's one of, one of the things I, I keep talking about in the side of the room. It's fine to fail. It's okay to lose as long as you learn from that loss and you don't duplicate it. And if that happens, that loss or that failure actually becomes a positive influence of who you are becoming. So for me, it's just, being able to adapt uh, to all things that are going to be there and thrown at you. And how do you handle yourself during these rough times? I mean, it's, I'm fortunate enough to where it's like one of those things that I haven't had the, uh, I'll say the, the most homeless upbringing, um, but each one of those moments made me who I am today and make it make sure that I, I know that I'm going to persevere through whatever's thrown at me because I've already done that. I've, I've accepted the challenge. I just keep, I don't let it beat me. I just learn it. Keep telling myself, you know, everybody has the expectation of what they're truly trying to, to do. Um, and sometimes we grab those things and it's not quite what you thought it was going to be. So like, there's this little saying that I keep kind of saying to myself over and over again. Sometimes, sometimes your, your blessings are actually curses. And sometimes your curses are actually blessings. Right. So when you go through life in that way, sometimes the worst things that happen to you in your life, if you spin them the right way, can actually become the best part of your life. You know, when I was a junior in high school, my mom passed away of cancer. And it was a rough time for me. But without that happening, I don't think I'd become the person I am today. Because it allowed me, it forced me to grow up. It forced me to get out of that area and move to the Central Valley, where I had the most influential person in my life, which is my wife. And I probably would not have moved to the Central Valley if that did not happen. And so that curse actually became a blessing. And so it's it's those things that you never know what moments in your life are truly going to influence you and what are going to define you and, and i you know what i love about it it's it, i 
I, I agree with you 100%. I always say where there's a crisis, there's an opportunity. And it's the same right. thing, right? Where there's a curse, there's a blessing. And, I, and it, if you want to have see the opportunity in the crisis, if you want to see it, you have to choose to actually look at that situation and reframe it, like you said. But look at it in a different angle. Put on a different lens on. Like, put, yep. put you know, look at it. Because there is so much, especially with, like, when you deal with loss or you deal with a failure, you know, loss of someone or, or even failure, it's, it, it's informative, but you got to allow yourself to get the feedback. That, that's, that's, that's the power of it is when you go through this adversity, uh, it's, it's about allowing yourself to get the feedback and then moving on from it, not getting stuck in it. Right. Very correct. Very yeah. correct. Yeah. It's that same thing. Well, Coach, uh, man, this is this is super cool to have you on my show, and uh, and thank you for sharing me sharing with me your your journey, your thoughts on culture, uh, man. I, I I wish you all the best. I can't wait to see your success there, and and to see. I just can't wait to see what your culture is going to look like in the next couple of years. So, man, I'm I'm really excited for you, and and thank you again for your energy on my show. Oh man, hey Grant, thank you so much, man. I I I appreciate it. I. I always enjoy talking with you. I, I mean, we've had some really good conversations and anytime, man, anytime you need to talk, anytime you need anything or anything like that, I, I'm always here. So I appreciate it. Best luck to you and your show and everything else you got going on.